Good morning. So the title of my talk this morning is A Man Who Has Died the Great Death. And this is partly inspired by case 42 of the Blue Cliff Record, which is a compilation of koans or teaching stories um, from ancient China. And also, I would like to dedicate this talk to the memory of George Floyd. I also want to acknowledge uh, that we are sitting on stolen land. Uh, the ancient and traditional and contemporary homelands of the Dakota peoples and many other indigenous peoples who have lived and cared for this area. We are also living in the United States, which has a legacy of poor treatment of black indigenous and many people of color throughout our history. So this is the this is part of the ground that we're sitting on. Um, there's also, uh, as we did the meditation practice this morning, it's not all suffering. There's also joys. There's also um, possibilities. There's also positives. So we're sitting on that ground as well. So it's just good to know the ground that we're sitting on. So case 42 of the Blue Cliff Record. Um, this case, um, the one of the teacher and priest study groups uh, that I'm in um, here at Clouds uh, looked at this case, discussed it um, a couple of months ago. So some of what I'm saying also is not just my own wisdom, but the wisdom of the group. And that case refers to the great death. I'll read it in a moment. But in that, in that case, uh, the reference of the great death is uh, referencing a person who is completely enlightened, thoroughly touching boundless openness, uh, free from attachment to a separate self. So we could say the great death is like a death of attachments. But when I um, was thinking about what to talk about this morning and realizing that we're coming up on the third anniversary of George Floyd's murder, um, and then I saw this case and I thought, oh, there, there's another great death. And George Floyd didn't set out to die a great death and he didn't want to die at all. However, his death became great and it changed the world. And there's still a lot to do, but his death was pivotal. So I'd like to take this time to honor his life and death. And also uh, think about how the continuous reverberations of his death can motivate our practice. 
So here is the case. Chao Cho asked Sotsu, how is it when a man who has died the great death returns to life? Sotsu said, he must not go by night, he must get there in daylight. So George Floyd died the great death, and we could say he returned to life through our collective action. So visible public protests and vigils, some changes in laws and procedures, a racial reckoning, I think especially with more white people waking up to racial inequities. And there is much, much more to be done, <clears throat> but there is a shift and it's happening in broad daylight. So the classic interpretation of this koan um, is something like this. And I'll read it again. I'm going to, this time I'll change the word man to person to make it more gender neutral and he to they so that we can hear it more from a universal standpoint. Chao Cho asked Sotsu, how is it when a person who has died the great death returns to life? Sotsu said, they must not go by night. They must get there in daylight. So as I mentioned, this great death in the Zen sense being complete enlightenment, boundless openness, freedom from attachment to a separate self. So in this way, great death is peaceful. It's free. It includes everything. So why death as a metaphor for that? You know, usually we don't like, you know, automatically associate death with freedom and peace and inclusion. Um, so as I said, this is really the death of attachment to a small self, the death of narrow views, the death of our usual way of thinking and measuring and comparing. And sometimes it's likened to blowing out a candle, like poof. We're in complete darkness, but fertile darkness, the darkness of the womb, the darkness of things growing underground unseen. So now is a time of spring where we start to see the things, but before that, there's that death and darkness underground but alive. So death, but alive somehow. And it may feel like there's nothing there in that kind of darkness. And there is no thing there, no separate thing, but it isn't dead in our usual way of thinking about dead. So this great death is something else. And we could say it's alive. So Chao Cho can ask, how is it when a person who has died the great death returns to life? And he's not asking about reincarnation. He's asking, once someone has let go completely of all attachments, how do they engage in the world? How do they return to the life of the world? If they just sit there like a dead tree, chanting Om and saying all is oneness in the face of discord and violence and unethical behavior and poverty and sickness, 
then perhaps they're not a fully realized spiritual person after all. And Chow Cho asking this question knows that there's a, another step after that great death, and that is a return to life. So in fact, he kind of already knows it when he's asking the question. But he kind of is wanting to understand how it happens. And Sotsu says, such a person must not go by night, they must get there in daylight. So this is not being stuck in the night, not being stuck in the darkness, however wonderful and fertile and peaceful and free it might feel. This is getting there, going outward, coming back into connection with people and things and with life. And to get there, to return to life, one must open one's eyes to the beauty and also to the terror and horror that is all around. So some of us are familiar with Tonglen practice, and we do kind of a mini version of this with the compassion practice that I did this morning and that we do twice a month. And that's a practice of cultivating deep empathy for others and for ourselves. So in the classic version of Tonglen, um, it even isn't, you know, we're, we're developing empathy, but we're not even, it's not even necessarily attaching that to the specific things. It gets bigger than that. So usually after doing some grounding practice, so you don't just jump right into Tonglen practice, like bring it on, all the suffering and stuff. I'm just gonna, like first, first there's actually kind of entering the darkness. First there's entering that peaceful, stable quality of things. So having that first and then kind of cultivating a uh, readiness to take in and take on. And so usually after that grounding practice and meditation, then you imagine breathing in. And so it's usually like, um, so it's dark, but it's not dark like that fertile darkness I'm talking about. It's more like sort of um, air pollution darkness. <laughs> you know, you breathe, you imagine breathing in dark smoke. And also you can and bring in other qualities. So and there's so different people have different ways of visualizing or feeling. It's trying to get a felt sense of this suffering, this discord, this disharmony. And so usually it's, um, you know, you imagine dark smoke or it's hot. So I think this is probably these practices developed in countries that were very hot. So like hot was unpleasant, but like burning hot or sticky or um, jagged, sharp, so you're just imagining as you breathe in, you're imagining this kind of quality coming in. And then, also really important, is then as you breathe out, you imagine cool, refreshing, moonlight quality. So there's a brightness, but it's a, it's a brightness that doesn't hurt your eyes like looking directly at the sun. It's, a, it's just cool, relief, moonlight, um, and you Imagine like bringing, like if there's a person or a, a situation suffering, you're sort of taking it into yourself. You're willing to just take it in. And then you're willing, like anything um, 
positive. You're, you're willing to offer it. And so, but it's not like doing that like a martyr. So like yourself is also included in it. So you're also offering it to yourself, but you're not offering it only to yourself. So that's the difference. Um, so when I first heard about this type of meditation, I was really, um, what's the word? Like I was astounded and impressed that this could happen because my other kinds of meditation that I had heard of similar to this were that breathe in the good, breathe out the bad, you know? And so it's like, and that's also helpful. Like, like let yourself take in what's positive and good. So some of us don't let ourselves really actually feel joy and happiness and peace in our body because we're afraid to like what if i do then i might be more vulnerable so i better not let that in i better not get too happy um so that's not what we want to do <laughs> um but there is this sense of um then not, it's not just for me so that other way of meditation was kind of just for me like i'm going to take in the good and and send out the bad and, and it's sort of like without regard to what's happening <laughs> to the bad that's going out there. So this is like, just take, just open my eyes and open my heart and open my pores and like just let everything in and then, and then offer this peace, love, refreshment, but it's also offered to me. So it's, it's like this just continuing. And I think it's really important that that, you know, that say beauty, hope, positive energy that's offered out is also, you know, is, is offered out to everything, including me. So breathing as we do in the meditation and breathing in the pain and breathing out relief. So with that context, I'd like to share some words uh, written by um, Mark Bamuthi Joseph, who's a black spoken word artist, and who, um, together with black composer Carlos Simon, was commissioned by the Minnesota Orchestra to create a piece of music to address George Floyd's murder and its aftermath. And this piece is called Breath, Breath. It's like bread and breath and breadth. So it's B-R-E-A and then in parentheses D-T-H. And I had the great fortune to witness a performance of this piece Friday night at Orchestra Hall. It was very powerful. And um, unfortunately, yesterday was the last final performance um, of, of this run. Um, however, I did make copies of the lyrics, and so you, you could pass those out now. And um, also, and so I don't know if, if the people on Zoom can, if you got my email, Miosian, about, no, you didn't, okay. <laughs> oh, well, I sent you a link. But uh, for the people on Zoom, you can go to the Minnesota Orchestra website. Um, so don't worry about it, Miosian. You can go to the Minnesota Orchestra website and just look up um, B R E A prost, you know, in parentheses D T H, and you'll be able to access the lyrics. Did they make a recording of the performance? They did. However, um, you need a digital subscription to 
to see it and it's $60. So um, for, for a year, digital oh. subscription, but you know, still, if you're only you know interested in that one piece. But I thought about, I talked to Raul about this and we're thinking, um, well, maybe some of us could chip in and buy a digital subscription and then we could show it here sometime and soon. So we'll, we'll see if we can cook that up. Um, so there's two things that are coming out. One is the lyrics and then the other is just a little note about some events that are coming up uh, today and Thursday. So I'll, I'll say, say something about that too at the end. Oh, good. good put it. Great. Somebody got it? Yeah. Great. Thank you. So it says in the program notes, um, uh, and not on the sheet that you have, but in the longer program notes, um, it says in this piece, the murder of George Floyd is situated in the context of the United States centuries long oppression of black Americans, asking the audience to consider how we heal and what comes next. And because this is related to the great death in both the actual death of George Floyd, the real death of the body, and the sense of death as a metaphor for release and freedom, I'd like to read some parts of this spoken word poem. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, and I can't read this as a black man, so it might sound strange coming from my body as a white woman. But I think it's too important not to share. Um, and so I'm sharing it uh, with deep gratitude to Mark Bamuthi Joseph, who wrote it, and all of his ancestors, and all of the causes and conditions that created this piece. So there's five sections in the piece, and I'd like to read, read the second movement, which is breath. So if you want to read along, or if you want to just close your eyes and listen. A soul to keep. Breathe in relief. The night is fruit. The moon is sweet. Take a piece. Swallow the satellite beyond your reach. The night is dream. But I'm not asleep. Not woke, just awake. I breathe in what I see. I breathe in the night. It smells strangely of fruit to me. Breathe in the chemical shift when I walk by the police. The smell of all the probabilities played out on all of the screens. Breathe in the scenes. Breathe in the night and imagine the time you felt most free. When in your life have you felt most free? I sing America's longest notes. I sometimes forget to breathe. When I do, my cultural differences haven't been tucked into the skirts of the queen. I am free to access an infrastructure of hope. 
Breathe in the night. The moon is ripe with juice. It smells like autonomy. Smells like fruit beginning to bruise and rot. Breathe in. It's a lot. Breathe out. Let it go. Imagine yourself living, knowing you have only one breath left before your souls let go. Breathe in mortality. It is an inevitability. And as such, shouldn't one's last breath be made with dignity? Breathe in the idea that death is a lie. That energy, not a human shell, is the actual tell of a life. Life is death as a vision, as a lived permission, inception of an intuition of what to cosmically expect. Life is just a set of lips to whisper, born to kiss our names back to the wind so that our spirit might hear it and vibrate a mitzvah incarnate and back again. Reciprocal energy, spirit and flesh, these words rolling off my tongue, the first breath of after death in my lungs. After life, I just go back to where I came from. Breath is drum. Breathe in light and smoke. Breath is drum. Breathe in the midnight sun where life never sets. Breath is drum. Ancestors know no death. Breath becomes the way ancestors pay at the gates. In heaven, breath is bread. And then it just repeats again, so I won't read the last paragraph. So maybe you can see how I thought of Tonglen when I was uh, listening to this on Friday night. So I was especially, I, I was struck by many, many things and the whole, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, even in this, this was my most, the most powerful section to me, this and maybe the last section. Um, but the one, the one place where it's, where he says, breathe in the chemical shift when I walk by the police. The smell of all the probabilities played out on all the screens so we can imagine and you know, know like the videotapes of George Floyd and many other people. And then the breathe in the scenes, breathe in the night, and then he shifts and says, and imagine a time you felt most free. So it's like not getting stuck there. So not turning away, but also not getting stuck. And I think that imagining a time you felt most free, well, that's something we all can do. And we're all suffering from racism, even the white-bodied people who might not know they're suffering or who might know suffering in different ways. So this breathing in, all of it, including the possibilities, is being awake. So in, the, in a way, the breathing in, like the tonglen, is 
uh, horror and terror to breathe in, but also this remembering, this imagining. When in your life have you felt most free? Or I think about the practice of, you know, often when people have chronic pain in their bodies, it's imagining or trying to recognize, is there somewhere in my body that doesn't feel pain in this moment? Is there some small, you know, maybe my little finger? Is there some place that's free? So we have that too. So there's a lot, I love the, also the line, breathe in, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot to breathe in, but we don't stop breathing. Although he says, sometimes I forget to breathe. But then he says, when I do, and I think, I think he's meaning when I do, remember, when I do breathe, then, then I'm not stuck. I'm free to access an infrastructure of hope. And I, I feel like um, Mark Bamuti Joseph is joining all the Zen teachers and ancestors when he says, breathe out, let it go. I don't know if he's a Zen practitioner, so I don't want to you know, put thoughts in his head that aren't there, but that resonated with me. In this letting go, we may enter the realm of boundless openness. Not woke, just awake. Mm -hmm. Awake and free. Where we know that death is a lie. Because we know the realm beyond birth and death. And then what? So the final uh, words of the fifth movement, the last movement of this piece um, is our so much work has been done. Who does the work that's still left? Well, I also want to say sort of backing up is that he does talk about how um, there's 244 years between 1619 in Jamestown, where a color-based American caste was enshrined, 244 years until 1868 with uh, the freedom granted to the Black people who were enslaved. So 244 years. And he says, okay, so the next 244 years um, is the, well, I can't remember, it's the second decade of the next century. So no one in this room will be alive. And so it's like this uh, work that's still left is really a long-term project. But there's a recognizing so much work has been done and then who will do the work that's still left. So that's our question, and in a way, it's related to the question of um, Chow Cho, of saying after when a person has died the great death and returns to life, what happens? How is it? And then the answer: He must not. They must not go by night. They must get there in daylight. 
It's not telling us exactly how to do it, though. <laughs> it just says, open your eyes and go in the daylight. So each of us has to answer that question for ourselves, the particular part. But I hope the answer to the question of who does the work that's still left, I hope that all of us can answer me, or better yet, we. We will together. And I also hope that as Zen practitioners that we can look at doing this work from a grounding of this boundless openness as a person who's died the great death and returned to life. And also, I think, if we work in this way, um, we can be filled with, if not joy exactly, at least a kind of happiness and peace and um, serenity and uh, sense of well-being so that then we will never grow tired if we're attaching to a certain way then we grow tired so this is really the challenge it's opening our eyes taking it in taking it in from a place of groundedness and then like what to do what is the specific thing that i'm doing next and um I will pause for questions and comments, but first I just want to reference the other thing that was handed out, and maybe we can figure out a way to get this information I, I, on. I will. I'll okay. do it right now. the Zoom folks. So one thing is, oh, can, can you hand me a copy of that half sheet just for myself? The details. So one thing is today there's a community solidarity event at 3 p.m. just uh, over here on uh, 430 Northdale, and this is the... Uh, Tahid Islamic Center parking lot. So you might have heard that there was arson that happened there. They don't think it was hate crime based, but still, we can still show our support. And then there was also the Asuna Islamic Center on the east side of St. Paul. And someone recently threw a large rock several times at the building and did some damage. And that may or may not probably was. Um, uh, bias related. So, so there's this community event at 3 p.m. So if anyone is able to go, that would be wonderful. Um, there's also some, uh, I created some tiny URLs for um, donations uh, for fundraisers for the two mosques. Um, and then the other thing that's happening uh, this week is a candlelight vigil at George Floyd Square from 8 to 10 p.m. on Thursday. And um, MZMC, one of our sister um, uh, Zen centers, uh, is their racial justice action group is organizing a group of Zen people to attend. You know, they're not organizing the whole ritual, but so if you'd like to attend with other Zen practitioners, um, you can contact them or you can just show up too, that's fine. Um, uh, and, oh, the event will include a performance of the Minnesota Orchestra and words from Nelson Mandela's grandson. So whether that performance by the Minnesota Orchestra would include a part of this piece, I'm thinking maybe yes. So um, that, would be, that would be great. So that's, that's all I got for you. And um, I'm interested if there's questions or, or comments. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, so so that's a good question. So there was orchestral music, 
and there was um, uh, Mark uh, Bamuti Joseph doing spoken word like poetry, you know, saying words, and then there were three choral groups that sang some parts of it. So like in the part where it says chorus, then that's the choral group singing. So it was really something. And then, and then the words were read. Yeah, read, read, but like read, like in a yeah. kind of rap style poem. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, I, I didn't try to like imitate. I did, I did try a little bit to get the cadence, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to try to sound like a black man because oh, that, that would have been that was, weird. That must have been really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was really powerful. Other questions or comments? Mm -hmm. Yes, Rebecca. So I always find it in doing that exercise that it seems to be too fast for me. Like I can't kind of conjure the sense of taking in, yeah. you know, heat and jaggedness yeah. and suffering, and then suddenly you switch to letting out joy and peace it's like it takes me five or six breaths just to do the first part ah uh, yeah you know so how do we navigate that uh, so you could try you could just do it that way okay. i mean you could you could do it that way I think eventually, you know, usually Tonglen is like considered, so that's from, it's from a more Tibetan um, tradition, and it's considered to be an advanced practice. So I think the, I remember when I was first studying Tonglen with um, Biakaran a long time ago, and someone in the, in the class that we were in said, well, I just can't breathe out, you know, like, and so it's like, well, yeah, the breathing out is really important, though, but it, she, I think she was saying just like what you were, is that it takes a while to, you know, so, but maybe, so maybe it's consciously doing five breaths of, and of receiving the difficulties and the, you know, the pain, and then five breaths of sending, you could try it that way. But it's it's nice that eventually when you get you know enough um, fluidity to be able to pivot like that, because then it's like in our life we can just do that, and it's a little bit nicer if for other people we're interacting with, if we don't like just cycle in their pain with them, that's not helpful. It's more helpful if we actually feel it, but then we can offer some relief just in our demeanor. So, but yeah, but it's, it's a process how we work with it. It's okay if it takes five breaths. Yes. Oh, so I will, I will take this one. And then after that, I meant to say, I meant to invite BIPOC people to speak first. So, but I'll, I will take this um, uh, Zoom. Can you just read it to me? Miele? Sure. Thank you so much for such a wonderful talk. So much depth and breadth. In your message, you have a deep understanding of the complex interplay of both sides of light, life, dark and light. Thank you. So if there's any, um, this isn't pressure, we can just take a moment, but if there's any BIPOC people who would like to, to speak, either comment um, or question. And even oh, if it's to say, you shouldn't have done that. Okay, okay, go ahead, Patrick. 
Sorry. Um, um, I like the line when you say, I'm not asleep or woke, I'm awake, because I feel like woke implies that you were previously sleeping, whereas awake neither has a beginning or an end. Like it's a permanent yeah. state of being. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. Also, I think woke, well, has a kind of, um, you know, so there's a certain way we're thinking of what that means, like having certain views, whereas awake is more, very more broad. So I think, I think that's, that's also true, but thank you. So we can just go back to opening it up to anyone at this point. Question? Yes. Uh, in the koan, the part about uh, daylight versus darkness, mm -hmm. as you were reading it, I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what are they saying? And part of what comes to mind is in the daytime, in the sunlight, to just be transparent and open. And what also comes to my mind is sometimes we don't know the path, you know, and just to say we don't know or we have doubts or we're confused, but, but we're open about it and we're transparent. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have any more comment about that, I'd like to know. No, I think that's that's great, you know, being open and transparent. Um, so the more classic uh, view of the going in daylight is is like returning to the world of this and that. So it's like that whole thing of, um, you know, first there was a mountain, then there was no mountain, then there was a mountain. So it's that part. It's like returning to the world of like different things that we see and people that we see. But I, I like that, that, you know, that it's transparent as well that we're being, you know, we're not hiding things. So there's a sense of where the darkness or the night can seem like hiding things. Um, and it is hidden. I mean, in the sense that we're not, you know, it's, but it's a fertile, you know, it's not a hidden, like, uh, sort of with ill intent. It's just like, we can't see anything. Um, and then when we do return to daylight, then it's like, yeah, we're seeing the things and being open. So we can we can invite ourselves to be open and transparent. Can you can you when people talk, can you switch the camera? I can. Okay, thanks. Yes. Well, I was gonna comment on that, but I had something else to say. Yeah, it just can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I wanted to comment on what Carla was talking about, but then I had something else to say. It seems to me that the light is what we do in our everyday lives mm -hmm. and that it has to be incorporated into our everyday lives mm -hmm. and not just what we're doing sitting on yes. a cushion. Yes. Because that almost seems like the darker the when we don't distinguish. Yes. And but yeah. So the other thing is it seems to me like what we're aspiring to is like Jizo practices, going into 
hell and standing upright and lending our hand or just being present to help without with joy mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. to recognize the difficulties. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that is, it's, a, it's also, I think that is a, um, what you said about sitting on the cushion and then, and then in our day-to-day -day life, you know, in our activity, that's also a way of thinking about this night and day. So the night is like quiet, sitting, not, you know, stillness, um, and then we get up from the cushion. We don't stay on the cushion all the time. And then when we get up, we're, you know, willing to walk into hell like Jizo. Yes. So, so I'm thinking of today by, um, I've never thought of the darkness in the, in the way of like, kind of the winter, you know, before the spring. Mm -hmm. And for that, um, but then connecting it today when we talk with the tongue practice, that there's a piece too when you bring you always think of those difficulties that are coming in as darkness. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of those together, I think that that's pretty, pretty you know, there's something there where even though it's poverty and difficulty and sadness, that it's also the same darkness mm -hmm. of like the ground before mm -hmm. it blossoms. Yeah. Yes. There's something there that's very rich. Yeah. Know? So just like all of that is also the potential, the ground of potential. Yes. And it's grounded. Yes. You know? It's just some of that's coming together with the talk Yeah, it's it's really interesting how the you know, that metaphor of dark, you know, so in Tonglen it's like you breathe in the dark and often we say like, oh, that today was a dark day, or you know, like we, we use that word to to talk about difficulties. And um, at the same time, it's also in Zen, it's often used as, yeah, in many other places too. It's like, yeah, this is the richness. And in that richness, everything is there. So it does include, it does totally include the joys and sorrows and everything is included. Um, but when in that kind of that um, underground darkness, we don't actually distinguish the things. Um, so then when we return to the world and of this and that, then they're distinguished. But maybe then when we return, that so-called darkness of the difficulties, we have a sort of a different attitude toward it because we know that it's connected, like you said, to the ground of all things. Yeah, thank you. Probably time for one more. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of the, the metaphor of uh, being in the womb and um, being birthed and life and death. And I'm getting this sense that, you know, when we get off the cushion and we're kind of born again into the world of this and that, I just get this sense of, you know, it's of continuous practice, continuously being born and dying, you know, uh, entering and going back in. Um, and that helps me to 
remind myself of the illusion of death as we normally think of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just kind of putting that with continuous practice together, and I'm yeah. finding it really helpful. Oh, good. Thank you. So Yuho, we have time for you if you had wanted to say something. Uh, thank you. Mic check. Yep, we can hear you. Okay, thank you. Just, just briefly, um, thank you so much, Sosan. As you've been, as you were kind of wrapping up the talk, your talk, it seems to me that one way that we can kind of ingest what you're offering today as white-bodied folks is kind of just as a way out of white paralysis or a white turning away. Um, and can help us be fully engaged heartfully and physically um, in um, our suffering and the suffering of people of all colors. Uh, the experience of, of seeing George Floyd murdered in the Twin Cities, et cetera. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And I hope, and may it be so. <laughs> thank you.